Good evening and welcome to another episode of Hidden for the Cycle. I'm your host, Hank and Dictor, and got a pretty good discussion coming up for you later today. I had my good friend, Andy Hopper, from the Brew Party. He and I had a good discussion about the Cardinals a few hours ago, and you'll be seeing that discussion in a few moments. But first, before I talk about anything else, I would like to give you guys a friendly neighborhood reminder to please give us a follow on all of our forms on social media. You can find us at Facebook and Twitter at Review and Preview Sports. And in addition, please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We've got a lot of good content coming your way. And first off, before I get into my discussion with Andy Hopper, which we will be showing you shortly, I have a few things that I obviously would like to talk about. First of all, we had the Javi Baez incident, and oh boy, do I have a lot to say about this. So, as we know, the Mets ended a four-game losing streak this past weekend. They took two out of three from the Nationals. Conforto had a clutch home run. Baez had a big two-run home run in game three. But, of course, the big story about Baez this weekend was in the one of those games, in the third game, he reacted to a lot of negative comments from the fans by giving this gesture, which, as you can see, is the thumbs down. And... You know, it sparked a lot. Of, it sparked a lot of debate about what he did. What was he in the right? Was he wrong? Personally, I believe he was in the absolute wrong. Under no circumstances is it okay for a player to be disrespecting the fans like that. And he said something that to me just came across as extremely hypocritical. He goes, "It doesn't bother me, but I want to let them know how we feel." I want to play for the fans. I love the fans, but if they're going to boo, it puts more pressure on the team. In that statement alone, I see a lot of hypocrisy. It's crazy. Like, yeah, I get it. You want to play for the fans, but to, but to give them a disrespecting some gesture like that, that shows me that like, that just shows me that you really like, aren't being very respectful and it puts a bad name. And here's, here's the thing about the fans. Do I always agree with how they boo or how they cheer? Not really, no. But at the same time, when fans go to a game, they are paying a lot of money for the tickets, money that goes towards their salary, I might add. They pay a lot of money to wear your team's gear. They pay money to watch you play and not just the food and drinks. They pay money for entertainment. And if you know New York fans, they expect the best from everything. So... When they, when they boo after a tough performance, unfortunately, that's just how it is. And 
when you do well, then you're going to get all the cheers in the world. But for him to do that, he deserved a lot of the booing. And let me use some comparison sake, because if you look at the history of New York sports and a lot of their athletes, you look at Mickey Mantle, you look at Mike Piazza, you look at David Wright, you look at Derek Jeter. Yes, even Derek Jeter got booed. That's just how it is. Derek Jeter went in an 0 for 30 slump to start the 2004 season. But you know what he said? He said, you know what? It doesn't bother me. I'd boo myself if anything. So that really goes to show you New York fans are the way they are. And um, we got a few comments. Zach Scott, another one. I'm not really going to dive too much into Zach Scott, but all I'm going to really say is this is why friends do not let friends drink and drive. He had all the money in the world to get an Uber and why he would decide to make a decision like that. I don't know. Garth Michael Patrick. Hey, man, how's it going tonight? Garth, I, I first of all, Garth, I heard today is your birthday, so I want to give you a special happy birthday shout-out. And Ben Kruth goes, sup, Hank? Thank you for watching, guys. And if you want to make any more comments to the show, please do so like those three just did. And anyways, yeah, I don't really have more to say about Javi Baez. He did redeem himself somewhat. He scored the winning run in the Mets' first game comeback against the Miami Marlins. And they went on to sweep that doubleheader, but you know, I don't know how how little or how late it goes, like because the Mets are only two games under five hundred now. They're still a ways to way away from first place, and they're still five and a half games out of a, even that second wild card spot, which let's face it, as Andy and I discuss later, are you really sure you want that second wild card spot when you have to deal with the Dodgers or the Padres? But in any event, that's how the Mets did. And Another guy I want to talk about, though, before I get into the Yankees, the Yankees had a pitcher, Jack McDowell, who did a similar thing, except much worse. He flipped the bird at fans in the stands. And obviously his tenure with New York did not go well. And, you know, we see how he's remembered now. So really goes to show you, you, you do not want to start a war with the fans. It's, it's crazy. But anyways, let's talk about the Yankees. The Yankees are coming off a 13-game winning streak, which – you know, as all winning streaks are, they're fun while while they lasted. They had a, a split against Oakland, which, as I discussed with Justin Ellick, is pretty much what I expected because Oakland is a place where the Yankees have historically struggled. That being said, as much as the streak was bound to end eventually, the frustrating part is after that split, despite their success, they ended that weekend six games behind Tampa for first place. And six games, of course, has turned into eight with the two games that they have lost in Anaheim. And now they've lost two in a row. So there's a lot of things that I can really point the finger at. But another comment I want to get to, Ben Cruz says, Sox are getting the first half Yankee bug. COVID hitting us like crazy. Yeah, no, it, it really is. I hope a lot of your guys get well soon. I hope they can. I hopefully it clears up pretty soon. And hopefully the Red Sox can, you know, have a full roster because as much as you guys are a rival, I don't really like to see you guys like get shorthand. I don't like seeing too many teams suffer from the COVID bugs. So, you know, it is what it is, but it's something that's really crazy going around. But anyways, back to the Yankees. So in the first game of the Anaheim series, Corey Kluber made his return off the aisle, but unfortunately he only really lasted four innings. He gave up a grand slam to Mayfield and then Despite the winning streak, like some of the same problems that I've been complaining about this year have really been resurfacing. Runners in scoring position, maybe not so much. The only game where that was really a big deal was this. I believe it was the third game of Oakland. The Yankees ended up going 0 for 4, but 
it obviously came back to haunt them because they end up losing late in the game. And speaking of losing late in the game, you still have the downside of the bullpen. And who exactly in this bullpen do I trust besides Jonathan Lewisaga? I mean, Lewisaga is really the only guy in this bullpen that you can really look at when he starts and like, oh, okay, no problem. That We're not going to give up a run. Chad Green's been all right for most of the season, but then he had his weak spots. He gave a go-ahead home run to Tony Kemp in the third game of the Oakland series. And then you had Clay Holmes. Now, obviously, he didn't allow the first guy to get on base in the first game of that same Anaheim game, but he ended up giving up the go-ahead single to Juan Lagara. So really the bullpen has been the same. It's been, even though it's had good moments this year, there are also moments where you really can't trust a lot of the guys not named, uh, what you, what you call it, uh, not named Jonathan Weisiga, maybe Chad Green to a certain extent you trust, but every time a role this Chapman comes in, I've already said what I had to say about him. Paul Lombardi comments. He says Javi in the thumbs down and uh, huge one yesterday. Thanks for the comments, Paul. Good to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. So anyways, yeah, it's been another problem for the Yankees. And another thing that was a big problem, they hit into five double plays alone in last night's loss to the Angels. And remember, they only lost this game by two runs. So I can't help but stop to think if they don't hit into those double plays, it's it's such a big difference. And obviously it didn't help that Jamison Tyon still hasn't quite recovered from his funk after his disastrous first start against Oakland. But, you know, it really it is what it is. There's nothing really I can say. The Yankees are just a streaky team. But with that being said, I think one person that's really responsible for the Yankees and their streakiness, you can argue, is Aaron Boone. And it begs a question are the Yankees winning these games in spite of Aaron Boone? Because, yeah, you can look at the job he's done and say, okay, he had half his team on the IL with either COVID stuff or injury-related stuff. But then you all you also can look at the lineups he's posted during the four-game losing streak, and they really have been weird lineups. One week, you'll see Luke Voigt going on an absolute hot streak, and then all of a sudden, you'll see him being benched. And now, don't get me wrong. I think that... um I think that 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 Anthony Rizzo absolutely deserves to play first base over Luke Voigt. There's no question about that. He's the better fielder, and we know what he's done with the Chicago Cubs. I think Anthony Rizzo is absolutely a valuable member of the starting lineup. But with that being said, to bench Luke Voigt and use other guys as a designated hitter, I think that's a problem. And Marty joins from the peanut gallery, says, I would blame Daniel Jones. Well, I would blame Daniel Jones, too, if he – if he was struggling to hit with runners in scoring position or if he was struggling to make out the lineups. But in any event, you know, you also have moments where yesterday's lineup, you had Giancarlo Stanton going to the DH spot. And it feels like sometimes these lineups are being like flip-flopped. And as I often like to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So my question, Aaron Boone, is why not just keep Luke Wood at DH? Why not just let Rizzo stay at first? And why not keep Stanton in the outfield? Because let's face it, Giancarlo Stanton has been much better when playing the field. And I think he's also gotten better with the fact that you have two extra left-handed hitters in that lineup with Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. So you have pretty much as, as set of a lineup as you can. It just, I don't really see why there needs to be any tinkering with it. I also can talk about how Aaron Boone handles his pitching, but I've really repeated that ad, ad nauseum. And now, with all that having been said, all this talk about the Yankees, 
it's time for me to show the discussion that I had with Andy Hopper. Now, Andy Hopper, as many of you guys who have seen the show know, has been on multiple episodes of Review and Preview. He's also been on an episode of Big Woo Avenue. In fact, Tom can probably tell you he was on the first ever episode of Review, uh, Big Blue Avenue because we talked about, we previewed the Giants matchup with the Chicago Bears. He's also been on 3 and D and even the North Pole. So he is the only five-time guest of all of our shows of Review and Preview. And this was another fun discussion, very colorful. And without further ado, let's uh, get you Andy Hopper. Alrighty, guys, I am here with Andy Hopper, a face you guys are all too familiar with. We have done collaborations on numerous episodes of The Brew Party, as I am rocking my Brew Party shirt, and I believe this is now your second appearance on Fit Hidden for the Cycle. Andy, how's it going, my man? First of all, Hank, you look gorgeous uh, in that shirt. <laughs> I appreciate you rocking the Brew Party merch. Yeah, one of, our, one of our mini collaborations, yes, this is my second time on the show, came on, uh, what, month or a couple months ago just berated the cardinals it's probably what's going to happen again um, <laughs> on this episode if we're being honest but yeah i'm super excited to be here hank i appreciate you doing uh doing a little early of course man no problem i gotta gotta make sure i fit you into both of our schedules but in any event why don't we start off talking about the big news with regards to the st louis cardinals yadi molina signed a one-year contract but of course he also announced that 2022 will be his final season in the big leagues. And I know this might sound weird coming from me, but I was, this was hitting me in the fields, probably not as much as you, but for me as someone who's really watched him from afar and appreciated his skills of the game, I think there was a lot through going through my mind when I heard about what happened, but I want to hear what was going through your mind when this whole news broke out. Um, I mean, you kind of saw it coming right he's he's 38 years old this is this is his 18th year on the St. Louis Cardinals it, i mean as a catcher is arguably the toughest position on your body in baseball of course pitchers what they have to do to their arms but just think about you know the position he has to be in for 9 innings and he's not a guy that wants to take many games off he wants to play 162 if he's healthy um so you know when this news hit uh, i'm glad that he's going to get his little retirement tour Next year, I think that's awesome. He even said he's excited and he's most looking forward to going to places like Cincinnati, Chicago, uh, places <laughs> where he knows he's going to get booed, uh, looking forward <laughs> to the best boo. So he's just one of the greatest Cardinals of all time. He's a lock for Card uh, for the Cardinals Hall of Fame, in my opinion, a lock for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Best defensive catcher uh, of his generation, best defensive catcher to ever play in the major leagues. You can quote me on that all you want i mean nine gold gloves four platinum gloves he his caught stealing percentage so the percentage of runners he uh, catches stealing is 40 for his career league average is 27 13 point percentage points over the rest of the league average he changes the way teams play when they play the cardinals they aren't aggressive on the bases they don't attempt to steal because 40 percent of the time it's not going to work out and I know for maybe if you're not, you're just a casual baseball fan that doesn't seem like such a huge a number, but that's significant. Like, uh, and, and people want to knock his, his hitting a lot, of course. But I mean, for his career, like going into this year, he's slashes were 280, 331, 403 with 168 career homers, 983 RBIs, and two, over 2,000 games played 
What more does this guy have to do at the plate? Add a silver slugger award in there, two-time World Series champ. Uh, I mean, he just means everything to St. Louis. He will never buy a meal. He will never buy a beer in that town again. Um, you know, you hate to see him go, um, but it, it's time, right? Like, you can only play yeah. this game for so long. Next year, his 19th year in the major leagues, will be. he'll be 39. Like, it, it's just not sustainable uh, going long term. And then you look at how long he's been playing, you know, especially with a guy like Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright came back on a one-year deal this year. Uh, just turned 40 a couple weeks ago, and he is just absolutely bawling out. Could we see yeah. him come back for another year? The next Yadier Molina and um, next Adam Wainwright start, where, of course, Yadier Molina will be his catcher, will be their 300th uh, start wow. together uh, as Cardinals. So just just think about that, the significance of that. I mean, like I just said, they've both been Cardinals for like the last 18 years and this will be their 300th game together the next time Wayno takes the mound. So uh, on the contract thing for Molina, I will say a lot of people are like, oh, I can't believe you're paying him $10 million. You're overpaying him. It's like it's he, he's getting that because he's a Cardinal legend. Uh, yeah. Sure, they probably are overpaying for a 39-year-old catcher, but, I mean, fuck, let's be honest. Mazaluk and Gersh aren't going to go spend it in free agency anyway, so we might as well give it to Yachty. <laughs> like... Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be sad. I'm definitely going to have to make my way down to St. Louis for multiple Cardinals games next year. Uh, just to see Yachty one last, hopefully one last time. Uh, and I know that's going to be emotional and I'm going to have to be there for his hall of fame induction ceremony. It's just weird. Hank, you know, we're not old at all. We're <laughs> 20, we're 25. But when you think of Cardinals baseball, you think of Yachty or Molina. So when he does hang it up, I know it, it is going there. There are going to be some uh, tears coming out of these eyes for sure. Uh, just what he means to the organization from literally just growing up. Like I think his first year he was like 19 or 20. And now he's going into his 39th uh, year, 21 years of the organization. It's just you can't. It's hard to put into words what Yadier Molina means to St. Louis, what Yadier Molina, what Yadier Molina means to Cardinals baseball just in general. Yeah, no, I totally 100% feel that. I mean, look, I loved Jorge Posada. He was a great catcher for the Yankees for many years, but he Yadi outlasted him by far. I mean, look at look at his career. Jorge didn't really make this crack the starting role until like maybe what 97 or 98 by that time he and Joe Girardi were splitting time and don't get me wrong he and Andy Pettit were batteried together for a lot of games for the Yankees but I don't think it even comes close to Wayno and Molina so really that's the that's the perspective I really like to put in when you brought up Wayno and uh, Yachty and like you said best defensive well I don't know if I'd say best defensive catch for all time, but at the very least, he is in the top 10. That's not even a debate. And not to mention, you've got the fact, you know, you mentioned his heading. Like, people like to give, like, complaints about his heading. He's had some clutch moments at the plate. I'm sure you very well remember Game 7 of the 2006 NLCS. I know the Met fans who are watching this probably are going to kill me for bringing that up, but that was definitely a big home run. I think that might have been his signature St. Louis Cardinal moment, but yeah, no, going through the whole retirement tour thing with Mariano and Derek Jeter back in 2013-14, I totally know how you feel. And it hits me right in the feels, and 
you know, it's crazy. And I'm sure, I'm sure Carson will probably enjoy those visits to Bush Stadium once you eventually take yeah. him. Although I think the sad part is he probably won't really get to appreciate the greatness of Yachty Molina until you eventually tell him more of those stories once he's truly old enough to really know baseball. But yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think it was well said, brother. Yeah, I appreciate that. And then there, I, I'm not trying to argue that Yachty or Molina is some titan at the plate or one of the best hitters in the right. league. He's not, but he's serviceable. He's a situational hitter. He knows how to get on base when he needs to. If you look at his splits from this year, 253, 296, 363, 51 RBIs, eight home runs. And that's only, he's only played 100 games. He did miss uh, probably what, 28, 29 games uh, with a little bit of a, I forget what, what the problem was. But what I love is he only struck, he's only struck out 64 times. 64 times. He's smart. He doesn't make bad decisions at the plate. And I think a lot of that has to do with <laughs> next time he goes to the plate, I, he almost always swings at the first pitch. Like he is just hell bent. Like it doesn't matter where that pitch is. He's fucking swinging at it. Uh, that might have something to do with it, but I mean, he's by the end of his career, he's going to have a thousand plus RBIs. Yeah. And he'll have sure. over, over 2,200 games played. Like they'll just like the longevity factor alone. You don't see catchers play for this long, especially for one team. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I'm going to go back to Jorge Posada for a bit at the end of his career. He couldn't catch anymore. His body was like totally shot. Like he had to play DHs last year. And I'm sure Met fans remember Mike Piazza at the end of his career. It got to a point where he couldn't catch anymore. And, I think there were a few years where he had to primarily play first base. So the fact that Yachty Molina played catcher for so many years and he never really changed position, I think that more than anything else might be mind-blowing to me. I can't really think of too many other guys of the Hall of Fame career who played catcher that long. Like, even Johnny Bench only had a 16, 17-year career, believe it or not. And Johnny Bench, in my opinion, might be the greatest catcher of all time. And I think the only really other catcher I can think of is maybe Carlton Fisk, and he played until he was in his mid-40s. Right. So it it's just you just don't see it these days. Like I'm even I'm trying to think of a catcher that in the league right now that's comparable to him at all. And I can't I can't think of one. Like a, it's just I like I said earlier, it's it's hard to put into words what he means to just St. Louis and just Cardinals fans in general and it's the it's the way he plays, it's the hot streak he plays with. It's how he doesn't take any shit. He's always had his <laughs> teammates back. He is. like it, That goes back to the whole Brandon Phillips thing. Oh because, uh, uh, it go, like He will get it. Or it goes back to that Nick Castellanos thing. Uh, what was that, <laughs> last year? Where even after no, that was game, this year. That, that was, yeah, was the that beginning of the year. Yeah, even Castellanos was like, I fucking love that dude. And like Yachty was in his face like this. And after the game, Cassiano goes, I still would go up and ask him for an autograph after I let him kick my ass or some shit like that. It's just like he's old school, hard-nosed, tough. You just don't see it in baseball a lot. And uh, uh, you just appreciate it. I appreciate the way he plays. I know there are Cubs fans out there, anti-Cardinal people that will, like, puke, start yawning here when when they hear me (laughs) talking about Yachty like this. But, I mean, come on. Like, how do you not – like, I – he he like I he like is the Cardinals to me. He is the one that you know, there have been players that I've loved throughout the years that have come and gone, but he is the mainstay. You watch Cardinal baseball, 
you're going to see Yadier Molina more, more often than not. So at, at 2023 rolls around, it's going to be very interesting. Very interesting. I think the one other thing before I move on and switch gears to like more current Cardinal matters, I want to point out when I think the other thing I think of with Yachty guys are scared to death to run on him. I mean, I don't know if you saw the video I've, I showed you from baseball, but by the way, has a lot of really cool videos about cool baseball stars and historic moments, but they did a whole video dedicated to Yanni Molina and, the one, the one thing from that that really stood in my mind, it talked. They showed a stolen base that Andrew McCutcheon had on twenty on him in like twenty twelve, I believe it was. It was like probably right at the beginning of the season. The crazy thing about that is he was safe on that steal, and yet despite that, he never ran on Yachty again. Like if you look at every clip of Andrew McCutcheon stealing a base against the Cardinals, it's always with the backup catcher, whether it be the remainder of his time with Pittsburgh, whether it be the brief time he was with the San Francisco Giants or even now with the Philadelphia Phillies, he was still scared to run on Yachty Molina even after he was safe stealing a base from him. If that doesn't tell you how good he was defensively, I really don't know what does. But in any event, we brought up Yachty Molina, and I think let's talk about the pitcher that's thrown to him for most of the season. I'm I don't know about you, but we talked about having Adam Wainwright in that rotation. And you were telling me, I really don't want to have to rely on 40-year-old Adam Wainwright this year because you never know how his skill could be declining. Well, looking at his numbers this year, it seems to me he might actually be the ace of this team. And it's been pretty vital because there have been so many stretches of the season where Jack Flaherty has been out with an injury. Yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and eat my words on saying that Wainwright had... I mean, I've been very adamant and very like loud that, you know, I don't think Wainwright has anything left. Like what I, at the end of the day, you don't want to be relying on a 40 year old, but if they are shoving like Adam Wainwright is right now, just incredible. Uh, dare I say Cy Young candidate, 26 starts, 18 of those were quality uh, 169.2 innings pitch. Nice. Uh, 155 Ks. <laughs> Only 40 walks. He's 13 and 7 with a 2.97 ERA, uh, 1.03 whip, 3.1 wins above a replacement, and 8.2 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, even crazier, post All Star game, 6 and 2, 1.79 ERA, 0.83 whip. He is just almost untouchable right now. And it doesn't make sense that a 40 year old is, you know, leading this staff of. Like what a thirty-eight, a thirty-seven-year-old, thirty-five-year-old. It's like we're the we are the we are the league geriatrics uh, in our <laughs> pitching rotation currently. Now that because uh, you, you mentioned it, Flaherty, he's only had fourteen appearances on the year, nine and two. Uh, currently on the ten-day IL, he just can't seem to stay healthy. He is this staff's ace. He is this staff's best pitcher when a hundred percent healthy. Um, but it is just, it's, it's tough not having him out there. You have Carlos Martinez who, I mean, when he was out there, I think he had a six plus ERA. He's, uh, he's only thrown 16 times. Miles Michaelis, who's actually pitched today in his first leg of this double header. Uh, this is only his fourth appearance of the season. So it's, uh, just really, really bad injury luck. And that doesn't, I mean, it's been mostly pitching. It's affected the hitters too. It's really affected the bullpen. Our bullpen is essentially three dudes right now in Alex Reyes, Giovanni Gallegos, and Genesis Cabrera. 
I mean, they do still, they, they throw Andrew Miller out there, but pretty much in garbage time. Um, you know, he's making like after this year, he'll have made like $33 million from the Cardinals and his like ERA while he's been here has been like 440 or something like that. So, I mean, there, there are problems in the pitching staff, but if we're talking about good things, highlighting the good things, Wainwright has been just as good as about anybody in the league this year. Yeah, no, reminds me of Andy Pettit later in his career. Like, I know he probably doesn't have the same ace-like stuff that he had when he was in his prime, but, like, much like Andy Pettit with the Yankees right at the end of his career, he didn't rely on, like, having great stuff. He would rely on, like, his game smarts and whatnot and well, using whatever he had left to, like, get through those games. So that's oh. that's kind of the connection I make here. And, well, and, you know, it's funny that I keep mentioning that Yankee team because – you said that this Cardinal team was like the geriatric team, right? With like Molina and yeah. Yeah. This is literally almost eerily similar to the 2013 Yankees. The more I think about it with the Cardinals. Yeah. So I do also want to point out uh, Wainwright's got a guy like Molina who I just mentioned, like he's the next start will be the 300th time he's pitched to him. Like you're going to have a special rapport and a special connection with that dude. And it's, I, it, there's no way it doesn't help you make you pitch better um if i can go ahead and start ranting a little bit about our bullpen uh so we have the high or like even just our pitching staff in general because it's bad hank we have the highest uh walks per nine innings in the mlb with 4.04 lowest k to uh, walk risk lowest strike to walk ratio in the majors with 1.95 lowest k's per nine innings in the majors with 7.9 post all-star break these the numbers have gotten even worse uh we also had the most bases loaded walks uh in the mlb i don't know if you're a big baseball guy but that's not a good thing hank they had a total of four of them i'm sorry am i hearing that right did you say four bases loaded walks four bases loaded walks in one game against the braves in august good lord one game all by all by the bullpen um, if, if we're talking about the bullpen, like, I'm just going to say it, they fucking stink. Uh, Alex, Alex Reyes, you know, he was great to start the year, had that streak of like 24 straight saves. Um, since the all-star break, I have his numbers here. Uh, he has a 6.82 ERA. It's just not sustainable. You, you can't do that. I think his, I have his numbers here. His, his last five appearances, he's allowed at least one run in four. Out, no, his last six appearances, he's allowed allowed at least one run in four of them, including a three-run home run in his last appearance, and uh, I think two two runs and then four runs a couple times before. So he's just not there. He has four blown saves on the year. Uh, his setup man, Giovanni Gallegos, has seven blown saves on the year. That leads the majors. Uh, okay, put those numbers together. That's eleven blown saves. That's 11 losses that were that we were winning in the ninth inning. They are currently two and a half games out of the wild card and 12 and a half games back in the division. We would easily have the wild card spot, the number one wild card spot locked up right now, and we would be a, a game and a half out of the central. Not sure about number one. The Dodgers are okay. We'd be number. We'd be number two. The second one for but sure. We'd easily be in that spot over Cincinnati and over San, uh, San Diego. Right. Like the, yeah, the, no. It's, 
In August, they go 15 and 11. They're three and two in their last five. They're dropping games to the fucking Pittsburgh Pirates. Like, uh, what was it last week? <laughs> they were up seven to one against Pittsburgh. Uh, they they give up ten unanswered runs. They lose eleven to seven. Gosh, I remember that too. I was literally, I don't know, I was up late for reasons I don't even know why, but like, I guess I was watching. The Yankees did something good because you texted me. You were like. Oh, yeah, no, because I was watching a Yankee game that was going pretty long, and then we were scheduling this whole interview, and then you were saying, by the way, the Cardinals just blew lead, and then I saw who they were playing. I'm like, wait, to the Pirates? And then then when I looked at I the next morning, I go up and look at the Cardinals' bullpen numbers. I swear, I wanted to puke. Like, seriously. Cry, puke, shit your pants, just like what, like whatever, dude. Speaking of the Pirates, they just fired their hitting coach last week. Why can't St. Louis <laughs> fire Jeff Albert into the sun? Like, what is he still doing here? We're hitting 239 as a team. It's gotten a little better since the All Star break. I think it's up to like 263 team average, but you're like our best, our best hitter right now. Our best average is Goldie. He leads the team in average on base percentage and hits. You know, he's hitting 286, which is great. Arenado leads the team in home runs and RBIs with, with 26 and 84, but he's only hitting 255. You got Dylan Carlson's having a pretty good year. His first full year in the majors hitting 260. Tyler O'Neill up there at 273. You know what name is missing from this list that they Tommy easily, Edmund. they, well, Tommy Edmonds hitting 266, not bad. A guy that's not on the roster that uh, would have the best average. Okay, the second best currently, but early at one point in this year, he would have had the best average on the team. Who would have taken a pay cut is Colton Wong. Why the I had a fuck feeling is, you were going there. Why the fuck is Colton Wong not on this roster? Uh, so I don't understand what Mazalik and, and Gersh are doing. Uh, they decline his $5 million option, then they buy him out for a million dollars. Plus, Wong said he was willing to take a pay cut to stay. So instead of Colton Wong, who is hitting 280, 343, and 456 for the Brewers, by the way, with only one error on the year with a fielding percentage of 997, that is – we keep guys like Paul DeYoung. Who I, I love Paul DeYoung. You see the Illinois State flag right there. I'm a, he's a fellow Redbird. I can't hate <laughs> on him. But he's fucking hitting 200, Hank. Uh, and Carpenter, why Matt Carpenter is still on this roster is beyond me. Another year of hitting one, he's hitting 183. 183. I put these numbers together. So the guys that they are, uh, so Tommy Edmond is the everyday second baseman. And I can't really hate on that because I do like Tommy Edmond. He's slashing 266, 315, 398 with 45 RBIs, nine home runs, 35 doubles. Having a really solid year. He is one of two players on the team that has played every single game. Uh, He has 136 hits, which is second on the team. But he has six errors. The guys, our middle infielders, I'll list out. Tommy Edmonds, six errors. Uh, Paul DeYoung, who has only played 94 games this year, has eight, uh, has seven errors. Edmundo Sosa, who they had to call up when DeYoung got hurt, who's hit, you know, he's hitting 273. He's played 91 games. He's, he's, He's a rookie. He's easing into it uh he's got eight errors matt carpenter in the in the uh 106 games he's played has four errors we're using this group of guys so it, realistically de young and sosa at short so we can put edmund at second when we could have just re-signed 
Colton Wong for let's say three and a half million. He was going to take a pay cut anyway. You already bought him out for a million. Like, or let's give him another three. That makes it four. That's that. That's a pay cut. Right. You could have Colton Wong as your everyday second baseman, slide Tommy Edmond over to shortstop, and you don't have to worry about Paul DeYoung hitting 200 or Edmundo Sosa if he's going to make eight errors in the field. And you could cut Matt Carpenter loose because you're paying him a ridiculous amount of fucking money. It's just Mazaluk and uh, John Gersh, who he promoted because he knows he can do whatever he wants and is basically his little pet, his little <laughs> cat. He's holding him. Uh, so think about this. They give up Luke Voigt. What do we get back for him? Jason Shreve, who's who's the main piece of this deal, is fucking somewhere playing independent ball right now. He sucks. Uh, you, we get Gallegos, who is making an impact for us, who's actually been pretty pretty good. I know I mentioned the blown saves, which leads the majors, but other than that, been pretty solid. He was just like a throw-in piece in that deal. So we gave up Luke Voigt for basically nothing when the centerpiece uh, of that trade was on our roster for a year or two. They let John Nagowski just walk. He got signed by the uh, pirates and he's killing it. Solano is hitting like fifth for the giants right now. Uh, Lance Lynn, who they let walk is would have started uh, the all-star game. If Shohei Otani wasn't just absolutely insane. Tommy Pham is, you know, playing pretty solid baseball uh, in San Diego. Uh, Johan Mercado had like one good year in Cleveland, but pretty solid. They let Hayward walk or no, they signed Hayward. They gave him all that money. They gave Fowler all that money. They haven't made a good trade. I mean, okay. They bring in Arenado. The Arenado trade was the first trade that they actually did something good since they brought in Goldschmidt in uh, what? Since 2018, 2017, when they made that trade. So it's there. It's just pure incompetence in the front office. You know what they're really good at, Hank, is making everybody believe or making it look like they're putting a contending team together, but it's just, it's not. It's 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 a fucking illusion. Like, if this was a, con- like, you look at this team on paper to start the year, you look, oh my God, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, and Nolan Arenado, you got some nice pieces there. Obviously, we mentioned the injuries, which they have really been screwed by injuries. This team is 67 and 63 on September 1st. Tell me that's not underachieving. Oh, that's you guys should at least be in the top of the wild card, honestly. Right. But, like, are we supposed to be like this division isn't good either? You have the Pirates, who are arguably the worst team in baseball. You have the Cubs, who are actively trying to lose. And then you have us, the Reds, who are, you know, 71 and whatever. But. I don't know. Obviously, they are a better baseball team by record than the Cardinals, but like they're they're beatable. And then are the the Brewers? The starting pitching is nuts. But are is anybody outside of the NL Central scared by the Milwaukee Brewers? Um, I would. I might be if I'm the Giants or the Dodgers. If I'm being honest, and let me explain to you why. Look at their starting rotation. You got. Willie Peralta, who's not even the best of those three, but he's got solid stuff. And then you also have Corbin Burns and uh, what's that? Woodruff. That, like, those no, I'm, three... I'm not trying to take anything away from their starting pitching, but I think oh, other no, no, than no, that, for sure. they're, I'm, other than that, I think they're at the plate. They've left something to be desired. Oh yeah. No hitting wise. They're kind of average, if, but if Christian Yelich starts heating up in September and October, then the Dodgers or the Giants, whoever plays them is going to have their hands full, but. 
that's a team that I'm really hoping does well in October because I, I see the Milwaukee Brewers as like kind of a sneaky good contender that like can emerge if, if they're like if their hitting gets better. And look at their fielding too. We mentioned Colton Colton Wong. Mm-hmm. He's been He's at about 280 at one point hitting 300 this year, uh, 290 for most of the year as well. Like he would be one or two on our team on the Cardinals right now in batting average. Plus, fielding wise, he helped. He, plus, he's a perennial gold glover pretty much every year. Yeah, exactly. Fielding wise, he would help them a lot. And they also have Jackie Bradley Jr. in the outfield, who I know from his time as a Yankee, from my time from being a Yankee fan, seeing him as a Red Sox, he is a really, he could cover a lot of ground out there. So mm-hmm. he's good. Lorenzo Kane. I saw him during the playoffs with Kansas City. I've seen him like, in like other out of market games. Remember I have the MLB TV package. Like he's a really good fundamentally sound player. Like the brewers on, in my honest opinion, they are no slouch. I could definitely see them competing and giving teams like a hard time. And let me, let me talk about the reds for a little bit. That's a team that if you look at their lineup, it's really good. You have Jonathan mm-hmm. India, who I think is probably going to be rookie of the year. You also have Nick Castellanos, who may be sending drives into deep left field. But if you look past those crazy moments, yeah. he has been incredible with, with the bat this year. And the, the down part for the Reds what, is they may have been him because of the opt-out. But that's neither here or there. Like, who else do you got? And Jesse Winker, they've been without, but they've been still doing all right without him. They get him back. You, they, That's another guy, guy that you got to watch out for in their lineup. The Reds are pretty solid. Eugenio, Eugenio Suarez. I mean, obviously, Joey Votto's still there. They're a solid oh, team. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Reds, but if you just look at it, their record is 71, and I don't, I don't, I just know they have 71 wins. Or maybe they're yeah, two and they a half. They're, they're two and a half games above the Cardinals. That's all I know for a team like. I just don't know. And this is me being just a bitchy Cardinals fan right now and just hating the world, but they're this it's an underperformance. I mean, but again, I, I just have to stress the injuries. And then we go get J.A. Happ and John Lester at oh the deadline. Gosh. Like, like they're supposed to fix all our problems. I didn't understand that. Like, what are you what are you trading away? A John Gant, a younger guy who you could have a couple more years of control over who costs you less. Than J.A. Happ. What are you trading him? So J.A. Happ comes over from Minnesota. I think at the time of the trade, his ERA was like six plus. Uh, with with St. Louis, though, five games, three and 2.22 ERA, 1.02 whip in 28 innings pitch. Small sample size, but hey, maybe it was a change of scenery. Uh, then you bring in a guy like John Lester. He's thrown six games. He's two and one. 5.12 ERA, 1.55 whips, a little higher on, on those numbers than you'd like, but he's been solid. Like that, And that's what you need from yeah. those back-of-the-rotation guys. You just need them to be solid. And what it comes down to is this offense has got to get going. Like I mentioned, 239 as a team is the average for the year, which is just fucking anemic. Uh, like I said, since the All-Star break, I think it's up to about 263. They do have three guys that have 20 plus home runs, which I think that's the first time we've done that in five years, maybe uh, with, you know, Goldie has 22. Nolan has 26. Tyler O'Neill having a sneaky, nice year with 21. The only thing about Tyler O'Neill is he swings at pretty much everything. 
Um, he is 106 games. I think he leads the team with like 126 strikeouts. Uh, he does have 50 RBIs and 20 home runs. Leads the team in slug percentage with 50 at 504. Uh, so I mean that's nice because I mean the, the outfield has been something I've been critical of, especially the guys that like I mentioned earlier that we let walk or like I think even that I mentioned uh, on the last part of this the, the last time I was on this show with like a Randy Rosarena would could have been in this outfield. Adelise Garcia could have been a part of this outfield. It's just the names. I don't know. <laughs> gosh, I, I just I don't know. Didn't trade Rand- gosh, I wish you didn't trade Randy Rosarena, but that's just uh, a selfish Yankee fan talking here. It's just, I don't <laughs> even know if we traded him or let it him. Wa- I think we did trade him. I no, was, you, you I, had to have traded him. I, There's no was, way you could have just let him walk. I don't think yeah. it's that dumb. Well, you might be surprised. Then again, I've seen some of his moves. Maybe, maybe I could have be proven wrong on that part. Right. And, Yo, so, it's funny. You mentioned starting pitching. You said Jay Happ. Even I could have warned you that Jay Happ was going to blow up in your face. Well, I've seen I, him way too many times with the Yankees. He is bombed. I mean, he's like 38. Like, yeah. He's either 37 or 38. It's like anytime you can trade for two pitchers with a combined age of like 75 or 76, you know you're doing something, right? Um, <laughs> jumping back to the Colton Wong thing, if the Cardinals can go out in free agency after the year. And if they are aggressive and they use that money that they saved to go get a guy like Correa or go get a guy like Seager, that's fine. All is all yeah. is forgotten about Colton Wong. But are they going to do that? Probably fucking not. <laughs> but that's like, if I don't know, cause like you can, you can just kind of eat sucking at second base this year. If you, are aggressive and go make a move in the off season to be actually improve the team uh, next year. So it's just like, if you look at the lineup, like just with your eyes, <laughs> not, not anything less like you're just looking at this lineup on paper and you see, you know, they're starting out with Tommy at Ed- it's like Tommy Edmond, Goldman or Goldman Goldschmidt, Arenado, or no, it'd be, it'd be Edmund Carlson, Goldschmidt, Arenado, uh, O'Neal, Molina. Fuck, you hope Matt Carpenter is not there, which, by the way, speaking of lineup construction, having Matt Carpenter hitting the three-hole at any point during this year is a fireable offense for, wow. for, for Mike Schilt. There was as I think it was as uh, late as last month that they are throwing Matt Carpenter out there in the three-hole hitting 183. Get the fuck out of my face. That. That's terrible. But my point here is, if I get back to this real quick, is who in this lineup are you supposed to be afraid of besides Goldschmidt and Arenado? It's got to be somebody else. I mentioned Tyler O'Neill's having a, having a decent year. Carlson's kind of coming along. But, I mean, they have Edmund to go get – lately. I mean, Edmund is they're, – they're good, but you have to get another – you have to get another bat that somebody will look at on paper and be afraid of. I know that sounds dumb. But, like, you just need another menacing presence in the lineup because right now these guys aren't doing it. Right now these guys are hitting 239 as a team. Yeah, no, that's, so, that's definitely uh, kind of... You'll, you'll enjoy this. So, <laughs> as, a, as a team, 239, that's 25th in baseball. That is only one place in front of the New York Mets who have had just, like, the, an anemic <laughs> offense. 
The Mets, uh, I don't know what their average is, but they're 26th in the league. The Cardinals are 25th. So just put that into perspective. I'm sorry. I know. I see what you did there. Oh, trust me. I will have, by the time this gets out, I will have already ranted about that. But needless to say, for those who haven't already heard, I think what Javi Baez did is extremely inexcusable. Granted, I know he helped them come back in the first game of that double doubleheader, but I'm just going to give you the cliff notes of my friend. You do not disrespect your own fan base like that. That's all I'm going to say. If you want to hear, you want to hear the whole thing, watch the beginning of the show. I will have to check that out. Uh, <laughs> that whole, like, I know this isn't Cardinals talk, but that whole situation is just a dumpster fire. First of all, for like, for the Mets fans, like, are you really mad at Baez? Because he's kind of a rental for you. There's no guarantee he's coming back. Also, Frankie Lindor is part of this. He's your centerpiece of this organization that's supposed to be here for the next 10 years. He's doing the same thing as, as, as Baez is. It also doesn't help that you have what the president of baseball ops coming out and saying, Oh, you need to add the fa-, which I did kind of like, it goes, the fans have every right to boo, which they do. They do. Um, I mean, you spend all that money on tickets and you, which, you spend a lot of money on do. their merch. You, you definitely deserve to do that. So he comes out and he like, so he's basically, he takes the fan side and then the, you have the crazy Mets fans that are like, well, no, fuck you. Stand up for the players. Like, why don't you have your players back? And it's just like, what do, what do we want here in this situation? It's just, you know what? I think this has it. It's just, this has something directly to do with Frank the Tank, and I will not be convinced otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> they have seen they have seen his shit, and they know it is him. I, I guarantee you. And that is that is the end of my Mets rant. Um, it's. Just come on, man. I mean, the Cardinals, I'm just going to start doing this. Like, I will not fucking spend my money on a St. Louis Cardinals game next, maybe next year. This this year, I, I just can't do it. There are too many, too many factors. Well, I was going to say next year, I feel like you kind of have to if you want to see Yachty Molina play one no, more. No, I'm, oh, I, I definitely, like definitely have to go next year. Though. And I don't want to sound like some grump that's like, I don't want to sound like a fair weather fan either. And we are spoiled as St. Louis Cardinals fans because you just come from this tradition of winning. But if you think about it, like we haven't been great. We haven't won a World Series in what, 10 years now. Uh, they ha- well, when seriously, was last- a freshman in high school that last time they won a World Series? 20, 2011, yes. Lord. Uh, so, yeah, uh, just... Yeah, you know they made a couple NLCSs. I think they would they get swept. So it's like they're always like they're going to try to convince us that they're there, but they're they're not there. This team is not complete, and especially this year, you know, when your ace Flaherty um, is only playing 14 games of a 162 game season. You got 40 year old Adam Wainwright throwing 26. You know. KK's pitched 21 times. He's been serviceable, but it's just it's just a lot of things where you kind of just have to look and laugh, or you'll just like start pulling your hair out and go absolutely just insane watching this team play baseball. Uh, my buddy Grant Baker, who you know, I actually was on the phone with him about an hour ago because he he is one of those. He just absolutely lives and dies by the Cardinals. He is watching every game, giving his thoughts, ranting about it. 
And uh, he he says, I, I can't find this stat, but I he swears by it. He goes, in the last five years, the Cardinals have hit more solo home runs than anybody because we can't ever get anybody on base. <laughs> That's all we do is fucking hit solo home runs. But it's just this year, it's just it's sucks because you have what you saw what the Cubs did at the deadline. They've given up. I mean, the Brewers, you know, credit to them that we, we talked about their starting pitching, whether they have 80 something wins, um, they're, they're going to win the division, but it's just, this does not feel like a team that should be sitting at 67 and 63 on September 1st. And they always talk about, Oh, we're a second half team and fucking watch them rattle off like 20 wins this September. I, I love it. Hank, I don't think it's going to happen, but like we've seen that, the so-called well, you did win one game today the first the, game in, of the doubleheader in the past yeah so they got the first game of the doubleheader that's great so they're up to 68 and 63 um so some of my I've numbers that I, in the lost column by the way right and, and, and or it's nice. Sean always calls it the all-important lost column yes absolutely so of course these these numbers that i'm throwing out for some of these guys are going to be off now after the first game but um yeah man it's just finish strong like do what you can do you're only two and a half out of the wild card. It's pretty incredible, actually, that they're only two and a half out of the wild card when you think about everything that's kind of happened this year. And like I mentioned, 11 blown saves, just the injuries that are to, you know, Tyler O'Neill's missed time, Paul DeYoung's missed time. Um, I mean, essentially, you, you've had so no, um, Coldschmidt and Edmund have played every game, Arenado's played all but one. Um, Dylan Carlson's played 114. A couple guys have played like 106. Yachty's played 100. And then other than that, everybody's at like 95. So there's like a big drop-off of just this has been, I don't want to say a ragtag bunch, but they've kind of had to fill in a lot of pieces around. And, you know, Schilt hasn't really done the best job as a manager, if I'm being honest. We can go back to a quote from July I think it was, yeah, July 21st, they were playing the Cubs at Wrigley, and he got tossed. And they asked him in the post-game presser what he did. He goes, oh, I just went down to the clubhouse and took a nap. Like, whether you like, whether, whether you were joking or not, like, we're in the middle of a fucking wild card race, and, and, and you're taking a nap? Like, what the fuck are you doing? That's I mean... That's as bad as a certain Giants coach who shall rename nameless, who once said, I got to look at the tapes during press conferences. Right. I mean, and here's another thing. If we're talking Cardinals managers, the hiring of Mike Matheny was probably the worst thing this franchise, one of the worst things this franchise has ever done. I believe it set this franchise back five to 10. Maybe you can make the case 15 years. He managed a game against St. Louis last month. Uh, the, the Royals had a, what their first round pick from 17 or 18 Bubik. Uh, he's given up like seven or eight runs. Uh, it's like, he's throwing like 70 pitches. It's like eight to nothing. And Matheny's got nobody warming up in the bullpen and you got Goldschmidt and Arenado coming around for their third time to face him. Uh, yeah, and it, it always felt to me like the Billy Madison of GMs. Like he kind of inherited a really good team once he did. Once yeah. Tony walked away. Of course he, he, when he, he was the first manager after Tony La Russa, So he inherits the team that uh, coming off a world series. Right. But he just mismanages these dude. Look at, look at guys like Seth Manus and, and Kevin Segrist. 
Yeah. Like he consistently did that to them, just left them out to dry. You overwork them, and that's why they're just done in two years. They suck. Their their arms are cat gassed. Um, and the Royals so, are. I I feel bad for wh- whichever pitcher is going to suffer with the Royals over the next two years. I'm just saying, like his just that whole like his whole tenure was a dumpster fire, and now we're getting to the point with Schilt where people are starting to get restless. Like you have to win games, and you know how much is this on Mike Schilt? How much is this on John Mazalock, the guy that's actually building the roster? Because um, you know the manager can only do so much with what he's given, but at the same time, if you're an idiot, you're just a fucking idiot. So, I'd say like it's I, said, I mean, I would love to. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think it is Mosaic too, and I would love for him to get his ass out of town, but it's just not going to happen. Um, so I'm trying to be as positive as I can. It, like I said, it's incredible that we're only two and a half out, and I guess what now? Now a game and a half out because we just got a whole game on Cincinnati. So. Just do it. And you like can. I said, you're tied in the wild. You're tied in the loss column too. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. So we're tied in the loss column there. So, but it, you just hate to be in this position in September where your backs are just up against the wall, where you just feel like you have to be perfect because at this point they almost do right. Because yeah. you, you're not, it's not like you, it's not like they're already in that second wild card spot and they're like, oh, we're two and a half out of the first wild card spot. There's no guarantee of anything here. Like we we could be talking in 30 days on on September 31st, and they could be fucking they could have be on a 20-game losing streak. Like, who knows? It's just baseball is I mean, that's why we watch baseball, right? Because you just never I mean, know what's gonna happen. But it's it's the wise man year, once said, well, Susan, you can't predict baseball. Right. If they are <laughs> able to sneak into the wild card this year, it's going to get heat off people's backs. It's going to mean they're, I mean, we're still going to be talking shit. We're still gonna, not going to be thrilled about it. But if you're at this, this season could, could have easily just been thrown away. Like they could have easily just right. sold everybody at the deadline and well, they weren't going to sell everybody at the deadline. I don't know why I said that with, with the way this roster is currently constructed, but it's just like, it's just, if you're trying to win (laughs) the moves that they had made are not moves that a team is, that is trying to win makes, you you know what I mean? It's just like, they need to pick a direction that they are going in here. And I need to interject with you about the wild card spot. Right. I think really, People will feel less pressure if they, if by some miracle you happen to get past either the Dodgers or the Giants, because which is you have to go to one of their. Because here's the problem with with getting the wild card, you have to go to their stadium. There's oh, I'm not no saying way, we're going to win the wild card game. No I'm way, saying, no way you're catching either of them for the top wild card spot, no. unless one of them has a terrible September that's even worse than 2011 Red Sox. Like you're not catching either one of them. And let's say you do make that wild card game. You want you know what the problem is? If you play the Dodgers, you have to go up against Walker Bueller. If you play the Giants, you're going up against Kevin Gossman, who he is living proof that once you leave Baltimore, your your numbers get better. <laughs> but either way, that's a no-win situation. And yeah. other than maybe Wainwright and maybe Flaherty if he's healthy, do you honestly think I'm gonna take the Cardinals in the pitching matchup? No. Why would you? Like, I don't know. I'm not taking them. Uh, it's 
Yeah, at that point, I would rather them just play in the game because at least like what's the what's the the draft picks not going to be drastically different if you are right. making a if you lose the wild card game versus like just miss it. So why not go for it and why not make it? Which you start by firing Jeff Albert, the hitting coach, today, <laughs> even though they won. But still, it's just ugh. There's just so many things about this fucking organization that just make me go. Just ew. Just I don't. And I'm not saying that I'm like some baseball genius and I could go in there and do this incredible job. But you'd like to think there's somebody that could be a little bit more competent than the guys they have in there right now. Yeah, no, trust me. I I totally get that. I was like that with the Yankees and like the first half and making a mistake. They've definitely gotten better, but there are still a few problems that like, you know, even with the winning streak, they haven't quite gone away. For instance, you still have the leaky pen. Like, there's really only one guy in the Yankees bullpen that I trust right now. Sorry if I'm getting a little tangent about my own team, but like, you know, it, in in any event, like, yeah, I feel the same way. There, I have my own things with the Yankees that like I'm annoyed about. And Brian Cashman, you can you can praise him all you want for his trade deadline acquisitions. Like, Joey Gallo is an improvement in the outfield, but. With that being said, he was not my first choice. Like, I would rather have a guy who is like a uh, hitter who like sprays the ball to all fields as opposed to one who either homers, strikes out, or walks. And look at Joey Gallo's batting average with the Yankees. It's 145. Now, granted, he saved us with defense. So I'm not like completely anti Joey Gallo. But mm-hmm. that being said, that was a trade that I was never really 100% on board with. Rizzo, on the other hand, different story. I love Rizzo. He's been a great acquisition, but. That being said, those were those improved the Yankees, but it doesn't mask the fact that there were other mistakes that he made that I think could have really prevented what happened in the first half. But that's really all I need to say with my Yankee tangent. I've already said more at the beginning of this show, but Andy, is there really any other rant you have about the Cardinals before I sign off? Sell the team. Fire Mazaluk. <laughs> Fire Jeff Albert. Um, I like Schilt, but you can't make those fucking comments about taking a nap in the middle of a wild card race. So get your ass out of here. That's uh, as bad as Aaron Boone's being like so Pollyanna, like saying, "Oh, the Yankees will be fine. We're we're gonna make historic comebacks." That that only flies for so long. If, if can you imagine if he said that comment in New York, Mike Schilt? <laughs> oh my God, dude, he would be roasted. <laughs> Crucified. Uh, Genesis, Genesis Cabrera sucks. Uh, ERA of 4.29. Uh, this is his third year with the Cardinals. Uh, he is pitched in 56 games. This is his most by far. Like last year, I think he pitched like 20. Um, and he has his highest ERA he's ever had. Um, I think least amount or like most walks. So he's just terrible. Get him out of here. Um, we, it just sucks that like he is our third dude in the bullpen that we really only have three guys, Reyes, Gallegos, Cabrera. They're combined this year for 3.42 ERA, which when you look at that, doesn't look that bad. But I mentioned earlier, like we're walking four batters a game. They're only, uh, they're only striking out seven batters a game. Like they're, they're just, the Cardinals are pretty much last in pitching in almost every category, which it winning teams don't do that. Uh, good teams don't have that happen to them. So if they do end up by some 
grace of God make this wild card uh, and make the playoffs, they are in for it. Uh, I don't know who is going to get the start. You'd assume it's Jack Flaherty if um, he is healthy. If not, you give the ball to Wainwright and hope and pray that four-year-old arm holds up one more time. Um, and honestly, I will not be surprised if we get a f- we get another season of Adam Wainwright in St. Louis forty at, at at forty-one. I think the way he's throwing, it'll be the same thing as Yachty. Like they'll they'll give him another year, ten million dollars for nothing. I feel like so. Uh, that is really much all I have to say. It's amazing that we're at 67 and 63. This team gives me gray hair, makes me want to pull my hair out sometimes watching them. 15 and 11 in August, they're going to have to win at least 20 games in September, I think, to like actually make me believe that they can do anything. Um, I feel like Frank the Tank right now, like super, super negative. Feeble. They're, they're, they're feeble. Um, no, nobody talks. Nobody tops the pessimism level of Frank the Tank. Just, I, I highly doubt that. There's just nothing on this team that really gets me excited right now. You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, Goldie and Arenado are fun. I, I like the prospect of, of Dylan Carlson and because he's what he's 22 years old uh, and he's playing. He's our everyday right fielder. Um, if O'Neill can figure his strikeouts out, I like that. Edmund needs to uh, cut down on the errors. I mean, so do, I mean, all of them need to cut down on the errors just a ridiculous amount of fielding mistakes that we make um who knows uh yachty i'll miss you <laughs> i don't yeah. have any problem i don't have any problems with yachty you're, you're cool bro uh how about you, <laughs> you get the free to, pass for life yeah, for get, 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 every cardinal fan get, I like. get, uh i mean shit he, he i'm not gonna say he's never done something to piss me off or he's never gone through a slump where i'm like what the fuck are you doing but at this mo- at this moment in time, go start a fight in the second game of this doubleheader. Why not? Uh, get 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 the people going. Um, but yeah, other than that, dude, thank you, thank you so much for having me, bro. I always love uh, talking. I mean, wh- whether it's baseball, whether it's when we talk football, whatever it is, man, I always enjoy. Uh, I always enjoy it. Thank you so much for having me, dude. I really appreciate you, Andy. Always a pleasure. You are very entertaining. And um, before I let you go, I just want to give you the opportunity to please plug yourself tell everyone where we can find you yes sir so i am the host of the brew party podcast like you see on that beautiful shirt that hank is wearing so i drop one episode per week at well might change up for football season so when it's not football season it's normally just one episode per week i usually drop on wednesdays or thursdays this week it will be my episode will be dropping thursday uh that is september 2nd with caitlin leaner from the bear down girl podcast we break down the chicago bears quarterback situation uh just kind of the team as a whole what we thought about the preseason what we're expecting going into the regular season um coming back week one of college uh, uh well we will be doing college football but week one of the nfl um, I have Ryan Maloney, my good buddy, coming back for season two of Maloney's Moneyline. That's our weekly gambling segment where we give out terrible, terrible picks that you can follow or fade uh, that we keep track of throughout the year. That's going to be really fun to have him back on the show. But yeah, it's just I talk sports. I, I like to have a, a few brews. I like to shoot the shit. I like to have a good time. Uh, pretty similar to what you heard from me here. Uh, I like to rant a little bit. Um, I like to not take myself too seriously. I like to laugh. I like to have a good time. <laughs> Uh, but I also like to bring on guests that like actually do know what they're talking about and, and give me good information. Cause a lot of the times, you know, I pick subjects where I can research a little bit, 
and then I bring on somebody that really knows something about it. So I feel like I know something about it. You know, it's uh, it's been it's been an incredible journey. So episode 73 uh, with Caitlin will be out on. Yeah, like I said, tomorrow. So Thursday, uh, September 2nd. That's wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn Radio. I think we're on Amazon Music, which I didn't even know. Uh, Just search The Brew Party or go to www.thebrewparty.com. You can listen to all of our episodes right there. It's got links to listen in your favorite podcast player, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, Podbean, all that good shit. Uh, We also are on social media. Make sure you follow us on there. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Brew Party. We're on Facebook at The Brew Party Podcast. We're trying to get up to, I think, 450 likes. We're inching inching there. Uh, And then please, please, please subscribe to us on YouTube trying to build that up i think i'm really close to 75 subscribers um that is hard <laughs> building that subscriber base up on youtube so i really appreciate it just uh, youtube.com slash the brew party um if all that's too many words for you www.thebrewparty.com it's got links where you can support the show it's got links uh where you can listen to all of our uh episodes it's got links to all of our social media um and then if you like merch like that cool shirt that hank is wearing you can go to our twitter twitter.com slash the brew party and it is our pinned tweet uh the link uh for, to buy uh merch from the store so i really really appreciate you having me on hank again i'm sorry that we had to do this early and we couldn't do it live because uh, no of my work schedule but anytime i get to come on and, and bitch and moan and complain <laughs> about my cardinals and it's welcomed i uh, i am hey, right I've, I've done the same thing about the yankees on your show so we're yes <laughs> we will be back on the brew party here soon because i mean obviously i need to get your thoughts on the yankees we, we got a little bit but i'd love to get that on my show and then we're gonna have to get you sam and tom on the show as well get the whole gang back together uh you know since football season is around the corner so there's just like God, I'm getting overwhelmed, like already thinking about it, like how much shit I just want to like pack into the show. Cause you know, right now it's, it's one time a week. I think, I think during football season, I'll probably go to two. Even that might be hard, but it's so pretty much it's, I'll, I'll drop an interview each week and then it'll be me and Ryan giving picks. And then we're going to bring on guests uh, most of the weeks as well to give picks with us as well. So Hank, thank you so much. Uh, If you haven't already subscribed to the brew party, come join the party. We'd love to have you. Of course, Andy. Thank you so much again. Always a pleasure talking to you, and I'm I'm sure we'll probably be seeing you later on down the road during football season on Big Blue Avenue as well. We will we will be in touch, my friend. That was Andy Hopper, and yeah, obviously it was a long interview, but of course, whenever I talk baseball with Andy Hopper, it is always very fun and drill, and not just baseball, but football too. He he just has that colorful personality and. Rest assured, whether it's you will definitely be seeing him again on the show, and I'm sure probably on any other collaborations with Review and Preview. But speaking of which, I believe before I sign off, it is now my turn to do some plugging. As always, like I mentioned before, please do not forget to follow us on all of our forms on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Review and Preview Sports. And of course, do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. You have watched another episode of Hidden for the Cycle. Until next Wednesday, I'm Hank and Dictor. I will see you around.